Welcome to Inside the Headset with your host, Eric Dungey. Welcome to a special edition of Inside the Headset. Today, I am joined by Matt Silverman, president of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Raphael Amador Fink, chief communications officer of the Tampa Bay Rays. Matt and Rozzy, I'm so grateful for you guys to join me and discuss the uh, this, the Rays stadium hunt and proposal. Before we get into the nitty gritty, can you kind of just touch on um, your roles with the team, kind of what your role with the organization organization is on a day to day basis? Uh, we'll start with you, Rozzy. Sure. Thanks, Eric. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having us on. Um, So I lead all of the communications at the Rays to include um, our corporate side and our baseball side, but also uh, public affairs. So anything that um, is kind of government related or uh, community related, that's not necessarily charitable. So all of those things, including social media and various outlets fall under me. Awesome. How about you, Matt? So uh, I'm the, the president of the Rays. Uh, I have another fellow president named Brian Ald, uh, and he and I together oversee the, the operations of the company, uh, primarily the business side, but also work closely with uh, Eric Neander, who runs uh, baseball operations. And you know, our focus over the past couple of years, especially, has been on securing our, our long-term home and making sure that we uh, figure out a way to stay in Tampa Bay for generations to come. Awesome. Yeah. And that kind of transitions to the first question I really had is why do the Rays need a new stadium? Yeah, that's a, that's a complicated question, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get into that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're in a closed system in major league baseball. There are 30 teams. We're all competing against each other. Uh, and we're all trying to you know, put the best product on the field. Sure. Uh, it's a zero sum game. If we win a game, someone else loses one. So, you know, our job here of the Rays is to try to put a winning club on the field as, as often as we can. And it takes revenues to do that. We're falling behind the rest of the league in terms of the revenues that we generate, in, in part because of our, of, of our ballpark, uh, and in part because of the size of our market compared to some of the, the massive markets in America, New York, Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles. Uh, and so what we've come up with in, in our sister city plan is a way to have baseball work here in Tampa Bay, build a beautiful outdoor ballpark, experience baseball the right way, uh, but do it in, in the time of year that most people want to be outside, do the same in Montreal, and in a nutshell, have these, these two markets fuel this team, make it a perennial winner, uh, and, and in a way that everyone is proud. Everyone feels great about the, the team. And we're headquartered here. We play a chunk of our games in Montreal, and then together, um, you know, it's a, it's a great permanent fixture in our area. And one that is going to bring a lot of great benefits, not just emotionally, you know, psychologically, but also uh, economically to our area. Yeah, you mentioned kind of the need for revenue and how that would help the team. What does a new stadium do for the city of Tampa? I know you mentioned kind of some of the, the emotional benefits, and I'm sure there's some economic benefits as, as well. Can you kind of touch on what's in it for us as the, Tampa, the city of Tampa? Yeah, and, and, and Razi, please jump in afterwards with, with all that I've missed. Uh, so what we're proposing is a, a ballpark uh, in Ybor City uh, and a neighborhood ballpark that really fits in uh, well in, in, you know, into that historic neighborhood. Uh, there's a lot of great baseball history there. There's a great immigrant, immigrant story uh, of, you know, of Tampa's roots. And we think that we can complement that with this beautiful 45-foot tall neighborhood ballpark, uh, experiencing baseball the way it's supposed to be. That's in contrast to a roof stadium that would cost almost double uh, that, but also would be 250 feet tall, would loom over the neighborhood and just doesn't fit into, uh, you know, I, I think everyone's vision of what Ebor should be. 
So we get this great venue. We get Major League Baseball, not just spring training games, but regular season games, half of our season. We get postseason games, too, because we're going to alternate uh, postseason appearances. And then we have this incredible venue to be able to program 365 days a year. We would hope to have 150, 200 events total. And in, 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 in what that does is it just brings people into Ebor to this area. It helps uh, justify development around, you know, quicker development. And all of a sudden, it becomes a, a huge economic catalyst for our area, plus the showcase venue that we're trying to build. So what's going to be the difference between, and Razi, Matt, both of you guys, feel free to just jump in on any of these questions. What's the difference? In, you know, we're not drawing a lot of fans in St. Pete now. Why will Ebor and why will a new stadium be different than an older stadium in St. Pete? So I would just say that the, you know, the ways that ballparks used to be built, um, the trap was built kind of at the end of an era. So when the trap was being constructed, uh, Camden Yards was being designed. And so, you know, we have right now you know, a facility that is surrounded by a sea of parking and it's because we need the parking. Uh, but also we feel like bringing the ballpark into a neighborhood like Ybor City and being able to have, like Matt said, this four and a half story building with the Rowdies included to our soccer team um, home to them as well. We really feel like it can activate the area in a way that is helpful to the surrounding businesses that also brings, you know, commerce to them with all of the people that will be attracting to that one venue. We also believe that when you look at all the transportation um, options out there, a lot of them are are starting to be kind of circling around Ybor City as a hub. And when you have a facility that can be an anchor and bring ridership and get people used to a system, that actually helps the overall transit system work because we're going to guarantee that there are events that people have to get to and people who may not normally ride it, if you know, but for a ballpark, they will actually have the experience to ride it and then hopefully experience to ride it in other places as well. So it's not just confined to the ballpark, but it helps everyone uh, get used to the system as a whole. That's very interesting you mentioned that because obviously Tampa is very lacking in our public transportation. I would recently went to New York and rode my first subway um, maybe <laughs> two months ago. So <laughs> it's not something that we're used to growing up here. So First question, do you think, so will the stadium and Ebor have little to no parking? Is that kind of the plan? And then do you think that the stadium will kind of encourage the build out of public transportation systems, whether they're, you know, rails or trolleys or other methods? Is that kind of the goal? So I think, you know, it, you, we would need some parking, but right. the, the beauty is that there's a lot of parking infrastructure already there. Right. Uh, you know, Tropicana Field requires this sea of parking, but uh, the experience of going to a, a ball game or a, or a soccer match in Ebor will be showing up early and parking a few blocks away and going and having a drink or a meal in Ebor, or after the match, going out, having a drink afterwards, walking a few blocks to your car. So you have distributed parking, you have people coming in and out of different parts of the neighborhood, as opposed to everyone trying to get in and out of, of one parking lot. And you know, we, we think it's going to be a great draw for people. But when, you, when, when we look at baseball, we, our fans come one, two, maybe three times a year. A typical fan goes once. And we think those fans will continue to come once or twice a year to a ballpark that's better located, you know, in, in, in the heart of Ebor, a beautiful ballpark, outdoor baseball. It'll, it'll, it's, it's a more compelling uh, event. But every Cub Scout group comes once a year. Every church group comes once a year. And we think we can capture almost all, if not more than those fans, into these 40 games you do the same in Montreal, and that's the big lift for our attendance. 
Um, but what we love is that you have so many other great event dates for this facility, rowdy soccer. Uh, think about the, the winter time. The, the, the weather is incredible. You want to be outside. We're not playing baseball. We're not playing soccer then. Think about all the things that we could do in that facility. It just adds more economic activity to Ebor. Yeah. So speaking of economics, uh, what's kind of the financing uh, of the stadium? What is that going to look like? Who's going to be paying for what? Um, have you guys had those discussions yet? But those are those are the discussions that uh, are coming and uh, you know, hopefully coming soon. And we've, we've always talked about a uh, public-private partnership and we've talked about sharing those costs. You know, there's the, the reality of professional sports. We're competing against teams that are generating significantly more revenue. They have larger markets. And, and so um, there's a limit to how much we can put in. At the same point, we want to put in as much as we can in order to, to lower the, the, the public cost. And we're, we're optimistic that we're going to find something that works for everyone. You know, the, 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 the public, the, if they value professional sports and they value this venue and, and all that it can bring to Ebor and the rest of the area, then we'll figure it out. And I think we're well along the way towards that. There's a lot of momentum that's been building towards that. Now, as far as finance, or I guess you mentioned Ebor, why, what was the decision to make to kind of come to Ebor and, and kind of not look at any other options in St. Peter and Pinellas County? So for me, uh, Ebor is, you know, part of the, the heart of, of, and heart and soul of, of Tampa Bay and specifically Tampa. Uh, and we also were looking for a spot that you could have a neighborhood ballpark. You know, think of Wrigley Field and what it means to Chicago, Fenway Park in Boston, really integrate into a neighborhood um, and bring that experience to, to Tampa Bay. We've only had baseball in Tropicana Field in this dome in St. Pete. That's, that's our professional baseball for the last 20-something years. Uh, but, but what we think the best of baseball is outdoors like Fenway and, and Wrigley, and that's what we can bring. We also look at Ebor. It's near the, the population center for the entire region. It's where it's close to a lot of businesses, and you know, we, we, need, we want that business support. Um, we love St. Pete. Uh, and, and if St. Pete weren't at the end of a peninsula with the trop and surrounded by a bunch of water, uh, and closer to the, the rest of the population, we might think differently, but we're trying to find a great spot that people are going to want to come to 40, 50, 60 times a year, and really 200 times a year in this new venue. And we think that, that Ebor is, is a great spot for it. Yeah. You touched on, um, uh, earlier, just the idea that there would be year round events going on and the, the proposed stadium. So a question I had is, you know, if taxpayers are going to be funding a large portion of this, you know, why should they put up the burden for a stadium that they're only going to theoretically have for half of the year, half of the season, what other ancillary events and reasons why they should want to you know, be excited about helping fund this project if the, if the Rays are only going to have 40 home games or whatever the number ends up being. You know, we have a lot of ideas for what can be programmed, and we've had conversations with um, some of our friends at, at the Sports Commission who attract events here locally. Um, and we believe that this facility, it nestles in between the, you know, Raymond James at about 70,000 and Amelie Arena at about 18,000 indoor. This kind of slides right in between that at 27, 30-ish thousand uh, seats and can expand, of course, for, for the playoffs and other big events that we would have. Uh, but we believe that there's an attraction for, I mean, we know that tour, sports tourism is a real thing uh, because we see it in our community many times a year. And the way we have actually designed this facility is with those other events in mind. So it's truly a multi-purpose facility in a way that it is built for baseball, certainly, but it's also built to accommodate rectangular sports because of the rowdy. 
space. So opening up that ability to host, whether it's some of these um, soccer friendlies, international soccer friendlies, or other events that, you know, 70,000 is just too big. But if they had a facility where 20,000 people made it feel really great and intimate, that's another piece of attraction for our community. You know, we also envision things like graduations, you know, walking across the stage, we host them here at Tropicana Field. Um, So hosting something, things like that at the facility and also really bringing some green space to Ybor City and East Tampa in a way that there isn't, it's, it's lacking right now. You know, we envision a world where at the most beautiful times of year, when the Rowdies and the Rays are not playing, there could be an open facility where you can come and throw catch with your son or daughter on the field and maybe, you know, maybe hit a, hit some balls into a net. You know, I mean, there's so many things that we can do, but, um, but we're having those conversations and we look forward to having additional conversations with the community about how to do that and what to program. Yeah, one of the really cool things you mentioned, Rafi, is the idea of kind of integrating the community with the stadium, allowing for maybe fans to come on in the off days and throw the ball around, hit the ball around, things like that, use the green space. Do you have any fears that splitting time between Tampa and Montreal will alienate any of your Tampa fans? So we intend to be a presence here year round. It's not that, you know, when we would go off to Montreal to play the the summer months there, that we would abandon our area. You know, we live here. We're raising our families here. You know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, You know, I, I wake up every day and go to sleep every night thinking about this. And so does Matt. And so does all of our leadership team, because we love this community and we want baseball to thrive here. And this is a new model. Uh, You know, we put a lot of thought and time into all of our strategies, right? You talk about the opener, for example, in baseball, uh, everyone hated it. No one thought it could work, right? And now many teams have copied us. (laughs) Um, And you look, and and we think that's great. We want to be innovative. And, you know, we've we've needed to be innovative, of course, because of our situation. But, uh, But we really feel like this is one of the next great things that could happen for, you know, maybe not baseball necessarily, but other sports, uh, other sports leagues who have an interest in this kind of thing. I know because of the, uh, the current lockout, we aren't allowed to mention any specific players, but in general, have you had discussions with players or had you thoughts about how this will impact the players, you know, having to maybe uproot their families during school years and things of that nature? Yeah, we, we've worked through it, you know, and, and generally, uh, it's a different cadence to a season, but it's similar for a player uh, because it's one move. Mm-hmm. Most players, if they play for a team other than ones that are in Florida or Arizona, they have to go to Florida or Arizona for spring training. And you have two months uh, of living in, in, in spring training. And then you move for the six months of the season to, your, you know, to, to wherever you're playing. And so here it would be play spring training and the first half of the season. And you're here for several months. And then you move up to Montreal for the last three months of the season. So slightly different cadence. It actually lines up a little bit better with the school year. Um, and, you know, the, the name of the game here uh, is, is, is player payroll. Uh, what we're trying to do is generate more revenues so that we can invest back in the club. And most of that money ends up uh, in player payroll. We want to be able to keep players longer. We want to be able to sustain success and, and we think this is what can help jump us up from from where we are in in baseball, which is you know near the bottom of, of the economic rankings. And you know, I, I you mentioned your question about uh, our fans here. This is this is how baseball can work and thrive here. Um, and you know, 
we've gone through for the last 17 years trying to find a model that works. And we would love if, if, if the 81 game regular season worked here, but the requirement of a dome and the expense of a dome because of our weather uh, and just the challenge of bringing together uh, fans 81 times a year, you know, 25, 30,000 a night, sometimes for 10 nights in a row uh, is something that uh, is too daunting. And this, this, this concept, this plan with with Montreal is actually too appealing because of what it can bring, uh, what it can do in terms of the way we get to play baseball outdoors, but also what Canada, Quebec, Montreal can bring to our area. And it's something we haven't talked about yet, but you know, that connection for the next 30 years, hopefully longer, that connection and the business, the tourism, the cultural exchange that happens because of it, uh, it's a real differentiator for our area and sort of can bring Tampa and Tampa Bay to the next dimension, you know, differentiate us from some of the cities that we compete against. Yeah. Why is Montreal a great partner for our sister city? I know they've had a baseball franchise before. Um, I think that was the player strike was the reason why that that kind of unwound a little bit, but why now in 2021 is Montreal a great partner to be a sister city with Tampa Bay? Yeah, the, uh, I'll start. And I know Raz, Razi will follow behind on this one. Uh, Mont- Montreal lost baseball about 18 years ago. Uh, and they've been trying for almost 20 years to get it back. You know, they, they had some of the same uh, dynamics in play that we do. They had a, a, a dome stadium, that wasn't designed uh, for baseball primarily. It was in the wrong part of the uh, of the city, or at least far away from the downtown. Uh, and you know, there were a small market competing against some of the giant markets, similar to some of the dynamics that, that we have here. But that love of baseball is there, and, and that's part of what can unite our our community uh, to Montreal. It happens to be in the same time zone, which is great for TV because all of our games are going to be on here in Tampa Bay, and they'd be on in Montreal. You know, all 162 games. And then it's really the weather. You think about this, the complimentary weather in February, March, April, May, and into June. Beautiful. It's beautiful here. And it's, it's, it's where you want to be. You want to be sitting outside on the evening watching a baseball game, you know, drinking a Coke or, or, or a Bud Light or whatever, whatever, whatever your drink of fancy is. Uh, and then when it gets into July, it's, you know, not the greatest time to be outdoors. Uh, but in Montreal, that's when the season is perfect. And it's summer baseball in, in, in Montreal. You don't want to be there in April outdoors playing baseball. It's pretty cold, but the summer months are great. So that complimentary weather uh, is, is really what makes this go and sort of following the sun up there and, and, and uniting the, the areas. And then you just think about the number of nonstop flights that will, that will come because of this and the connections back and forth and the snowbirds from Montreal coming here. I think a bunch of people from Tampa Bay are going to learn about Montreal and visit up there. The baseball team is the excuse but you get to explore this great North American city. It's, it is one of the great cities in, in, in North America. So it's not a bad one to be paired up with. And Raj, you go out. I know you have some comments as well. <laughs> I feel like Matt actually pretty, he got that one uh, pretty well done. The only thing I would add is, you know, Matt talked about kind of this love of baseball, you know, both of our communities have a history and a love of baseball. Jackie Robinson played in Montreal for the Montreal Royals, the minor league team before he made it uh, to the big leagues. And so there's, there's so much um, history, collective history that we have and immigrant history that we have that I think is when people are able to experience it and we can build some of these connections, um, you know, COVID unfortunately 
COVID stopped travel, right? And stopped a lot of things that we were hoping to be able to do um, with the community. And now that we're opening back up and things are much safer, you know, we anticipate that there will be a lot more cultural connections and business connections, community connections that we'll be making and helping facilitate to move this forward. That's great. Um, we, we kind of touched on the weather and the idea that, you know, early in the year, it's great to be in Tampa and the summer, it's great to be in, in Canada and what, what are your guys' plans for playoff baseball if and when Tampa makes some, some, some deep playoff runs and maybe some October and maybe even November games? Are we going to be playing in Montreal or are we going to be in, in Tampa? Is it going to be TBD, kind of depending on the season? Can you kind of touch on that? Yeah, it's, it's probably TBD. Uh, what is TBD? But it, it probably would be that we alternate uh, by, by appearance. So the first time we make the postseason, for example, all the games we played here in Tampa Bay, the next time we make it, all of those games we played in Montreal – we want both communities to have playoff baseball, to be able to have, uh, you know, World Series games. And ideally, we'd have boat parades in, in both places. You know, you, you have one here and then you take a flight up and we have another one uh, up in Montreal the next day. And, you know, I, I, little known fact, I think Tom Brady was drafted by the Montreal Expos. So there's an even greater uh, wow. football, baseball, Montreal connection there. Maybe after he's done with the the Bucks, maybe after another Super Bowl or two, he can maybe kind of uh... – do like a Tim Tebow and maybe play a year of baseball and play for the Tampa Bay <laughs> Montreal Rays, maybe his last season of a pro sports in like five more years, whenever he's finally done playing in football. Yeah. We're not, we, we wouldn't turn down that conversation. <laughs> so we mentioned obviously the, the market size and having to compete with the New York's and the Boston's is there enough market share and enough baseball supporters in Montreal to compete with Toronto, New York, Boston, and even Baltimore. Is there, I'm sure you guys have obviously done those studies, but can you kind of just touch on that? Yeah, you know, there, there is great fandom there. Um, and we're talking about a 30,000 seat ballpark up in Montreal. So we're not trying to fill 45,000 seats. We think it's the right size up there. But they're great. there's great history and rivalry with the Yankees and with the Blue Jays, obviously, because of, because of Canada and Boston. There's great access to Chicago, Detroit. I mean, it's, it's right up there, um, you know, closer to a lot of our opponents than, than we are geographically. So uh, you know, we, we think that there's this great love. Uh, there's also an appreciation for our organization and, and what we've been able to do, uh, the success that we've had with our you know, limited payroll and the excitement for a team that has the number one farm system in all of baseball, a team that won 100, ga 100 games last year. You know, we're, the possibility is for this uh, these ballparks to open in 2026. You know, it, we have a lease through the 2027 season in St. Pete, but these ballparks could be ready by 2026. That's not that far away. Uh, and a lot of the players that we have today, a lot of the players at the top of our minor leagues, uh, our, our friends in Montreal are already following them because they know this is going to be their team only a few years away. I know we touched on kind of the idea of having the neighborhood stadium and not wanting to have this big kind of monstrosity in Ybor City. But can you kind of just explain the thought process of doing maybe two middle price stadiums as opposed to maybe one stadium with a retractable roof or with a dome or with more amenities and kind of the thought process on, on that of, of why you guys came to that decision? Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, we, what we're doing here, what we're able to do under the sister city baseball plan is add another market to help ease, you know, the, the need for what major league baseball requires, right? Like Matt said, we're talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. Games where, 
you're supposed to get 30,000 people every night. But when you add another community that can help, you know, that it helps in corporate sponsorships. It helps in ticket sales. It helps in TV to a certain extent. And those are all things that will help our payroll increase. And Matt can talk about this much in much greater detail than I can. But, you know, we don't have a salary cap in baseball. And a lot of people forget that. So, you know, we have other teams in this area that are incredible and have salary caps. And for us, the more money we bring in, it goes right out to players. It is not, you know, a situation where when we play the Yankees who have three times our payroll, right? How do we compete with that? We have to stay on the cutting edge of things, but this helps us, helps bring our revenues to the middle of the pack in baseball, which is really great. I mean, that, that, coupled with our success and our innovative spirit and who we are, that will help us, we believe, be successful in the long term. So yeah, successful long-term success. We potentially five, six years from now, we could have these stadiums and these markets opened. What does this, what does a success for you look like in the future, maybe five years, 10 years from now? What, what would happen for you to say this project went, was a success for us? Well, well, obviously we want to win and we, and we want that, that first world series. And then after that, the second one and the third one. So I know a lot of this is is delivering those revenue impacts, which are payroll impacts, which really are just tr- translates into on-field wins. Um, but beyond that, we want to look back and say this was a great investment for our community and for the community of Montreal to build these ballparks and realize not just like the emotional benefits that sports bring, but all the economic ones, and that you know we can be a catalyst here for Ebor City and its rebirth. Or in it, you know, finally reaching the potential that every, everyone said, Ebor is going to be great. It's going to be great. We've been talking about that for a long time. Maybe this will finally get it over the hump and make Ebor that incredible destination that you have to come and visit. And if that's the case, it's going to spill over to the rest of Tampa and the rest of Tampa Bay. Like that, that's what we want the baseball team to be able to deliver to our community. And we can do so with this model. Uh, we can't do so any other way. And so we're, we're excited. And I think we're going to see those benefits. You look back five, 10 years from now, and you're going to have a couple of World Series banners hanging from the rafters too. I love that. I'm sure there's some carryover, but I'd love to hear uh, your, your answer to that question as well, Rosie. if there's any anything else you want to add to that. Um, yeah, I would just say, Ybor, so we talk about it, you know, it's the soul of our area in many ways. It was where baseball came to our area through the cigar leagues. And, and there's so much history there already. So be, to be able to add, to bring back some of the baseball history, to be additive in that space. And also, you know, I have an 11 year old and, you know, looking back on this, to be able to have his home team here and thriving and working with another community, I think that will make me proud. I mean, having having put our area on the map in a way that, you know, I think other communities will really envy is going to be just so incredible. So I, I can't wait for, for to help the soul of our community be even greater than it already is. And, you know, to cement our legacy here, to give us a, a long-term home and, and keep us in the region. That's very exciting. I love the idea of Ebor reaching its full potential. I love the idea of a couple World Series and the, the economic impact. But uh, on the flip side, if this doesn't work out, what what does that look like? And what's next for the for the Tampa Bay Rays? If you know if this this plan doesn't work or we can't get things approved or we hit the roadblocks, what's next? Yeah, you know, we don't even want to begin thinking about that. All of all of our energy is on this, um, and we don't want to open that door. So yeah. you know, the, the time is now. It's why we're we're so focused. We're you know we're we're engaged uh, with our community 
talking about this, answering questions, trying to come together and, and rally everyone around this idea because we know it's going to be great. We know we know it's going to be a great success for our community, for the Rays, you know, for the Rowdies, uh, and we're going to look back and, and think, you know, this is where we saved baseball and kept Champa Bay going. You know, it's, it, Champa Bay has become what we're known for. I mean, yeah. all, all over the country, whenever whenever I go, I see my family, uh, and I go to Texas. Like they talk about the success of the Rays, the Lightning, the Bucks, like all this incredible like sports DNA that we have here. Uh, and this is a way to keep that going and, and expanding it and making sure that we don't, we don't take a step back at all in this process. So what are the next steps look like? I think there's a possibility of a vote in the near future. What's kind of just the next step as far as the approval process and how are we going to just kind of follow the next stages of this, uh, this journey? Yeah, the, the, the timeline is soon. Um, it's not completely defined, but we're trying to gain approvals here in Tampa Bay uh, in, in the next couple of months, potentially same thing in Montreal, uh, major league baseball obviously needs to weigh in and however the, the sequencing works, we want to be able to figure this out in the next several months and, and get going. Cause if we lose a few months, potentially that puts, pushes us back a year. Uh, and now we're talking about 2027 and we don't want to be, we don't want to be talking about that because, you know, now we're looking at the very end of our lease and there's not much wiggle room. So, that's where you know, the time is now, and, and hopefully we can uh, bring together the communities, get the votes that we need, the funding approvals, and then we're off to the races. Awesome. I really appreciate you guys. Um, that's kind of all the questions I have for you. It's been very informative. If you have any other kind of just comments or statements you want to kind of get out to the to the fans, if you want to say anything, I'll leave you guys kind of the last word. Um, so I'll, I'll give you guys the mic if you want to just have anything you want to say to, to the race fans out there. Well, first of all, appreciate you having us on. Uh, and, you know, it's great to to engage in, in this conversation and you know be able to to tell our story a little bit more. Uh, I, for me, it's just you know, it's our it's our love of Tampa Bay. My love of Tampa Bay is really fueling uh, what we're doing. And we, you know, Rosie's talking about her son. I'm talking about my wife and three daughters, and and just you know, believing in our community, knowing this is a great thing for it, and um, you know that that's where this whole idea came from. And we're, we're excited to be able to continue the conversation and really just thank you for the time. Of course. Anything uh, you want to add, Rosie? I just, yeah, I just want to say thank you again for the time. Um, and like Matt said, this is, you know, we're fans. We love baseball. We, we are working here because we love this incredible team and what we are able to do both on and off the field. I mean, some people certainly know our community um, efforts, but, um, you know, we, we love being able to invest in our community in addition to running an incredible organization. So, um, so just want to say thanks again, and hopefully your audience, uh, understands and, you know, understands the sister city baseball plan now a little bit better. We appreciate you helping us spread the word. Thank you. No, it was a pleasure. It is an honor to be the host of this and to be able to give you guys a platform to, to spread the word. It's been informative for me to kind of learn a bit more about the plan. And I think our listeners will enjoy it as well. So, Say thank you again to Matt Silverman of the Tampa Bay Rays and Rafael Amador Fink of the Tampa Bay Rays for their time and insights into the Sister City uh, baseball plan. Thanks, guys.